Returning this evening in the Word of God to the ninth chapter of John's Gospel and then reading in to chapter 10. John's Gospel, chapter 9, and we're going to commence just to read the last verse, verse 41. And while you're turning to the Word of God, can I thank our brother Keith for the kind words of welcome and to you all for coming. It's encouragement to see you all who've come uh, to be with us tonight. And if you're a visitor, particularly, we bid you welcome in the Saviour's name. Glad also to see uh, some of my own family, uh, my daughter Lydia and her husband, and our two grandchildren. And so don't you be worried if you have wee ones and they're making noise, because I can assure you Martha Joy and Noah can make as much noise as any of them. And it'll not put me off one bit. And I trust the Lord will bless us around his word. But we bid you welcome and thank you for coming. It's an encouragement to us. Can we encourage you to be here next Lord's Day as our brother Peter and Lucy Jane takes up again the ministry of the word of God. But this time it's Mr. and Mrs. Craig. And we trust you'll get behind them. You'll support them. You'll pray for them. And you'll be here to encourage them. And we forgive you for taking Lucy Jane from us. And uh, we trust and pray uh, that we'll be remembering you in Hebron. And we trust that you'll remember us in the work of God there in the town of Malamone. John's Gospel, chapter 9, and verse 41. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Jesus said unto them, that was to the Pharisees, If you were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Verily I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but timeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, He goeth forth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The stranger will they not follow, but they flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. And said Jesus unto them again, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and are known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. 
No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Amen. And we know that the Lord will bless the reading of his infallible word to all of our hearts for his name's sake. Just let's bow in a word of prayer before we come to meditate upon God's word. <clears throat> Our loving Father, we thank thee for another opportunity to open up thy word. We rejoice that we have in our hand the word of God. Lord, like David when he said of the sword of Goliath, there's none like it given me. We would say of thy word, the sword of the Spirit, there is none like it give it me. And we pray, Father in heaven, <clears throat> in these concluding moments now, as we come to, Lord, meditate upon the word of God, we pray that thy word will come with power and clarity, not because of the speaker, but because of the application of thy word by the Spirit of God. I am trusting thee for power. Thine can never fail. Words that thou thyself must give, they must and praise God they shall prevail for they ask these things in the Saviour's name Amen It was a Bible commentator and Bishop of Liverpool J.C. Ryle who said No man's case is so helpless and hopeless as that of a self-confident man who says that he knows everything and wants no light such a man's sin abides on him unless repented of will sink him into the pit. In response to the question from some of the Pharisees in the ninth chapter of John's Gospel and in the verse 40 when they asked the Saviour, are we blind also? The Lord Jesus Christ responds by saying, and I paraphrase what the Saviour says in these two verses at the end of the ninth chapter, particularly in verse 41. Well, would it be if you, and if you were really blind and ignorant, if you were really ignorant, you would be far from uh, blameworthy as you now are. If you were really blind, you would not be guilty of the sin of willful unbelief as you now are. But you say now that you know the truth and see the light even while rejecting Christ. It makes your sin abide heavily upon you. You see, what the Saviour was trying to underline and to underscore for these Pharisees, was that they were making a great claim that they had light. They were making a great claim that they were those who were the sons and daughters of Abraham. They were those who had this religious paraphernalia all around about them. And that they, as, were, as it were, didn't need any more light. They didn't need to have the illumination that the Saviour was bringing to them. And so the Saviour says to them in verse 41, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. And what an awful condemnation to claim to be in the light 
when you're still in darkness. What an awful condemnation to claim that you are still having, as it were, a degree of illumination and you can understand all that's going on around about you, but still rejecting the glorious light of the gospel. You see, this all happened because these old religious Pharisees were unprepared to accept what had happened in the life of the man who was born blind. And the story is recorded for us in the ninth chapter of John's Gospel. And in fact, when this man's sight is restored, they come to the man, they seek the man out. And in in verse 19 uh, of John's Gospel, chapter 9, they go to his family and they ask him, saying, Is this your son, who he says was born blind? Then how... Then, how then doth he see? They were questioning. They were not prepared to accept that this man who was born blind was not able to see all because of what Christ had done. And how sad it is. There are so many. There are those who would question the authority or the validity of the work of salvation. And they would use that as a cover. Use that as a cover not to accept their own darkness. Use that as a cover not to accept their own circumstances before God. And these Pharisees were, of course, blind leaders of the blind. Tonight our desire is that you might come to the glorious light of the gospel. You know, the gospel brings light. The gospel brings Illumination. The dear unsaved man or young person in their sin cannot see the beauty in Christ, cannot see the, the glory in Christ, cannot see the joy that is in Christ. Oh, to them, becoming a child of God is drudgery. Becoming a child of God is nothing but misery. Becoming a child of God is only something that's going to bring them doom. It's only going to bring them gloom. It's only going to bring them into a state of despair. Oh, the darkness that sin brings to the lives of men and women. Is that not what the Apostle Paul says? That the God of this world had blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine in unto them. And the old devil wants to keep you in darkness. The old devil wants to keep you in blindness. The old devil wants to keep you bound in the shackles of sin that you might not come to a full realization of the life and the liberty that is to be had in Christ. Maybe you're in this service tonight, young person, and you long to be somewhere else. You would long to be out of the shackles of your family, out of the shackles of the church, and out into the world, and enjoying the things of the world. But oh, can I say to you, with all the love that's in my heart, that the day will come that when you will realize that the old cisterns of this world will only bring you misery. The old cisterns of this world will only bring you degradation and shame. But oh, as the Savior said to me, we made reference to it this morning. The Savior, I love that verse, John 10, 10. It's a good way to remember the verse. John 10, 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. The Savior says, I am come that they might have life 
Oh, but he's not only saying that you might have life, he goes further. He says, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Life, life, abundant life. Jesus alone is a giver. You see, the Savior wanted to highlight the difference between these old Pharisees and himself. We'll not take time to go into the book of Ezekiel where the Savior where there's reference made to the old Pharisees being described as those false shepherds. They were those who didn't feed the flock. They were those who didn't care for the flock. They were those who scattered the flock. And here they are now, these religious leaders in the day of the Savior. And they haven't changed. They haven't changed a bit. And they're they're blind leaders of the blind. But the Savior now wants in chapter 10 of this portion of the word of God to set before them the one who was the true and trustworthy shepherd. And I want in the concluding moments of this service to point you to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true and the trustworthy shepherd. There's not a shepherd like him. In this portion of the word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ makes many different references to the sheepfold and to being the shepherd and to the sheep. And I want us very briefly to consider some thoughts concerning Christ, the true and the trustworthy shepherd. First of all, there's the access granted by the shepherd. The access granted by the shepherd, he is the door. He's the door. Verse 7, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. It was Spurgeon, that great expositor of the word of God, who said how very condescendingly the Lord Jesus Christ set himself forth when he speaks of himself. He's pleased to use no lofty imagery, no far-fetched metaphors, but he talks of himself one day as water, and another day as bread. And then he, desi- he designs to call himself a door. Oh, how exceedingly simple. And you and I can understand the illustration. You and I can understand what the Saviour is simply saying when he says, I am the door. We all entered in through doors to get here tonight. There's nothing can be more simple. The youngest in this service tonight can appreciate, can comprehend, can understand when we say, uh, when we talk about a door, we know what we're speaking about. It's not something that's complicated. It's not something that's difficult because the door is a place of entrance. It's through the door that we gained our entrance into this uh, building tonight. It's through a door that we use. In fact, if you start to count up every day how many times you go through a door, how many doors you use, different doors. Some doors are sliding doors. Some doors you have to open. Some doors are more difficult to open than others. I can, and every time I think about doors, I never forget the night that I was in a, in a house meeting. Uh, a dear brother that used to go many years ago to Dunseverick Baptist, he used to have house meetings in the village where I was born and brought up in the village of Armoy. And just outside the village, there was the house meetings really started, and then they moved into a more formal building in the village. But there was a dear brother that used to let them have their home. 
And I can remember going with my parents. I was very young at the time. I'm still very young, but I was younger then. And this particular lady had a great... She was very house proud. It's a good thing to be. And the doors, there was a glass door. And the glass door was gleaming. It was, there was no children's handprints on them. You know what they're like. We have seen more of those over the last number of months since their grandchildren have arrived. And you see the pearl marks and you see the, the marks on the door. And this door was gleaming. And somebody came in and closed the door. And there's a dear brother and he's now with the Saviour. And he was giving the hymn books out and he was, he was going around as quick as he could. And he didn't realise the door was closed. And he walked straight into it. Boys, it went off with a bang and the glass went everywhere. And it was a real distraction. And sometimes we need to be careful with doors because they're doors that can either keep us out or they can let us in. But the primary function of a door is it's an entrance. And let me say tonight, the only way that you will ever gain heaven is through Christ. Oh, you say, but I came through the door of the church. No good. You say, I came via the door of my religion. No good. You say, oh, but I came via the door of my confirmation or my baptism or my church membership or, or whatever you want. But oh, the Savior would say tonight, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only entrance into heaven is Christ. You remember there was a man one day kissed the door of heaven and hell Judas Judas laid his lips upon the one who is the door of heaven and he led into a lost sinner's hell I trust there will be none in this service that comes that close to having an association with Christ the door and yet leaves this old scene of time and goes out into God's eternity without knowing Christ as their saviour. The door's an entrance. But you know the door's also something of importance. The importance is that without entering through Christ there is no salvation. Let me say that again. Without entering through Christ who is the door there is no salvation. We live in a day and age when truth is always relevant to the individual. It can be whatever it wants to be. But when you come to the Word of God, it's absolute. When you come to the Word of God, there is no other truth. This is the truth that God has revealed to us. This is God's truth revealed in His Word. And the Saviour said, I am the way, the truth and the life. The doors and entrance, the doors importance, but also we see the door as an abundance because the Lord Jesus Christ he says in verse nine, I am the door by me if any man enter any shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. He's referring again to the sheep. He's referring again and he's taking this analogy, he's taking this illustration and he's applying it to the benefits of the gospel. And he's saying those that enter into the sheepfold through him who is the door. There's a benefit, there's an abundance, there's a provision. Because they'll go in and out and they'll find pasture. There will be a place where they'll be fed. There'll be a place where they'll be safe. There'll be a place where they'll be provided for. And all of those things are to be found in Christ. There's provision, there's safety. 
Oh, we can feed upon the one who is our Savior in all the provision that he has made for us in Christ. And I wonder, child of God, what is your daily diet like? What is your daily diet concerning the things of God? What are you feasting upon? What are you feeding upon? Do you know what it is to be like that blessed man? That the word of God tells us about in the Psalm 1. And he's beside the still waters. He's led by those pastures that are green. He's brought into that place where there's blessing. That place where there's prosperity. That place where there is an abundance. Or are you living on the husk of this old world? Are you living with a dry daily substance of the things of this world oh that tonight you might child of God come to be able to say that you know what it is to be led daily by the shepherd daily by the shepherd into those green pastures daily by the shepherd to those still waters those places where your soul is satisfied the access granted by the shepherd he is the door then I want us in the second place to notice the attention that's given by the shepherd, his devotion. Because notice, notice what we read in verse 10 of this chapter. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You see, the Saviour... The shepherd, his devotion to the sheep is seen in that he cares for them. Others sought to steal and destroy. It's interesting what the Saviour says in verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill and destroy. There's a threefold description of what the devil will do in your life. He'll come to steal, to kill, destroy. But you tell me, oh, but you don't know what it's like. Uh, you don't understand what it is, the joys that are in this world. But I've seen enough to know that this whole world only brings misery. With all the glitter of its sin. It brings nothing but misery. It steals you of joy. It steals you of peace. It steals you of contentment. It steals you of all those things that would be of benefit to you. And it ultimately will destroy you in a lost sinner's hell. But the Saviour comes. And he is a care. He is a care. When did the, well, did the hymn writer pen those words? No one ever cared for me. And Jesus. You remember the prodigal when he went into the far country. And the word of God tells us that he wasted his substance with riotous living. He went into the far country and every night was a night of partying. Every night was a night when he lived according to the dictate of his own will. But there came a day when the money dried up. There came a day when the friends dried up. And he was at the lowest ebb in his life. 
Then there was that moving of the Spirit of God in his heart. And he, he said, I arise and I go to my Father. And oh, that lovely embrace that he saw one day. Because the Father never took his eyes off the road. That his son went down. And one day he saw his son coming. And he put his arms around about him. And he loved him. No one ever cared for your soul like this again. And the Heavenly Father still waits tonight that he might put his arms around you. That he might provide for you the best robe and put the best ring on your uh, hand and the shoes on your feet and kill the fatted calf because he cares for you. That's what the Apostle Peter said in First Peter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Let me ask you this. Who cares for? cares for whenever sin has finished in your life and whenever you've got all your friends around about you and whenever you're in the place of despair and difficulty and trouble and trial there's no one cares for you like the saviour and how do I know that because he went to the cross to die for you he went to the cross to shed his blood for you he left all the splendor of heaven. He set aside all the glory that was in the heavens above. That he might come into the sin-cursed scene of time. And bleed and die that he might provide for you eternal redemption. No one cares for you. Right? The attention of the shepherd and his devotion he cares. The attention of a shepherd and his compassion. Think of the words of that hymn. And all through the mountains thunder ruin. And up from the rolling steep. There arose a glad cry to the gates of heaven. Rejoice, I find my sheep. And the angels echoed around the throne. Rejoice for the Lord brings home his own. The hymn writer penned it well when he said, But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters cross, how dark was the night the Lord passed through, and he found the sheep and was lost. And tonight, dear unsaved man or woman in the service, the Lord Jesus Christ has a devotion for you that is unsurpassed. But I want us in the closing thought to think something else. Not only do we see Christ, the shepherd, the access that's granted by the shepherd, he's the door. And we also have seen the attention that the shepherd gives in that is his devotion. But I want us in the closing thought to think about the atonement given by the shepherd. His death. His death. You see, if we go through this portion of the Word of God in John chapter 10, we'll notice that there are many times when there's reference made to the death of Christ. It was verse 11. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 15. Father knoweth me even as I am known of the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 18. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ in his mercy and in his love laid down his life for the sheep. He was the one who came into this world so that he could provide that place of safety, that place of security for those that the Father would give to him and he would be able to say of those that came to trust in him that he had lost none. His grace. Tonight we point you to the cross because the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I know I know he's a good shepherd. I know he's a good shepherd because he laid down his life for the sheep. The hireling. You notice what the Saviour said about the hireling. He comes, verse 12, but he that is an hireling, someone that, that has no real vested interest in the sheep. He's just there, he's just there to, to do a job and to move on. Verse 12 says, But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf cometh, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. That's not what the shepherd, who is the saviour, does. Oh, he has a love, he has a compassion, he has a concern, he has the devotion and the love of these sheep at heart. His grace. Do you want to see the love of God in Christ? You see it at Calvary, where he laid down his life for the sheep. I love that little phrase in verse 12. Whose sheep, whose own the sheep are not. Whose own the sheep are not. But you see, when we come to Christ, we become the sheep of the shepherd. We become his possession. We become those who are under his care. We become those who are the object of his devotion. We become those who are in his fold. And the Lord Jesus Christ underscores that very truth. In the verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. Now here's the guarantee. We've seen the grace of God in that he died for the sheep. But we see the guarantee that he's going to bring the sheep all together. And who was the Savior speaking of here? He was obviously speaking, I think, of the Gentiles. Those of us who are in this service. And he says there's other sheep. And I'm going to bring them. And I'm going to draw them. And then he says, not only that, but I'm going to bring them. And they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Truth. There's one fool. There's one shepherd. And the question that I want to ask is as we close this service tonight, are you in the family and the fool of God? It's a very simple question. Doesn't need much of a complicated answer. The answer is yes or no. You might say, Well, I'm in the church, that's not what I ask. You might say, I'm in the Lord's, that's not what I ask. 
You might say, I'm a good person, that's not what I asked. You might say, well, I read my Bible, that's not what I asked. I'm asking a simple question. Are you in the fold? Are you in this fold that has one shepherd? There's one fold. There's not a free Presbyterian fold or a Baptist fold or a Presbyterian fold or any other fold. Whatever name you want to give it, there's one fold. It's the redeemed of God. It's those who have been blood washed and blood bought. Those that have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. And the Savior says there's one fold and there's one shepherd. Have you entered into him through the door? Have you come to receive him? Have you come to rejoice in him? Have you come to depend upon him? The Saviour says, I am come. And they might have life. And they might have it more abundantly. Oh, that tonight you might know the joy of life abundant in Christ. And as we close this service, as we bow our heads and as we'll close our eyes, I want you to, in the moments that's left to us, think about this. Am I in the fold of the heavenly shepherd? Is Christ my shepherd? We sing the hymn. I have a shepherd, one I love so well. How he has loved me, tongue can never tell. I wonder, can you really sing that tonight? Can you really say, I have a shepherd? He's my shepherd. He's redeemed me. He's, he's bought me. I've entered in through the one who is the door. I've come to know his love. I've come to know his devotion. I've come to know his care. Are you still out in the the wilds of sin have never come to enter into the fold. Then tonight is the night when that invitation comes to you. Come to Christ. Rejoice in him. Receive him. Repent of your sin. Know your sins forgiven. And experience an abundant life that is to be had in Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the good shepherd. We thank thee for the great shepherd. We thank thee for the chief shepherd. We thank the Lord for the day that the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. Our loving Father, we pray that thou wilt take that which has been of thyself and apply the effect neither to every heart. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to simply say this. Do you know the shepherd? Are you in the fool? An awful tragedy to leave this service tonight and to go out into this night knowing not that you were in Christ. We're here as your servant. We're not here to embarrass. We're not here to pigeonhole anybody. But we're here to be a faithful servant of the cross. Make sure you're in the fold. Make sure you know the shepherd. Make sure you've entered in through Christ the door. We can be a help. Speak to us at the door. But dear unsaved man or woman, don't linger any longer in your sin. Don't linger any longer in your sin. Father in heaven, bless thy word to every word. And we pray that as a result of the time that we spend in thy house tonight, there will be those that know not the Saviour, whether here or maybe someone listening into the service will come to know Christ the Shepherd. For we pray and ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen.